I am uh, Ricardo Deacon. Hello, I am Orla McNeilis. And this is the Recommendation Game, a film of the week podcast where we take turns to pick a movie the other person hasn't seen and we watch it separately and Skype each other to discuss it. You're listening to Dublin Digital Radio. This week's film was chosen by Orla. It is Faces Places. Director Agnes Varda and photographer and muralist JR journey through rural France and form an unlikely friendship. It was directed by Agnes Varda and JR, produced by Agnes Varda, JR, and Rosalie Varda, written by Agnes Varda, starring Agnes Varda and JR, music by Mathieu Chadid, cinematography by Roman Limbaudiuk, Claire Duguet, Nicolas Guchoteau. Valentin Vignette and Rafael Minnesota. What a name, <laughs> Rafael Minnesota. <laughs> so, Orla, why did you pick this movie? <laughs> um, well, to my utter, utter, utter shame, uh, I've been very slow to 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 find Agnes Farda in my life, and <laughs> I have no idea why. Because the more them I see, the more I'm like, oh my god, like the, what, like. Thinking of what impact these films would have had on me as a younger person, like in college especially, like I uh, what, don't. What? Which ones of your or hers have you seen? So uh, far? Cleo five to seven. Yeah, that's it. Okay. <laughs> Unless and this, I presume, yes. Okay. <laughs> very very slow. Um, yeah, I don't really have an excuse. Like, I mean, did we watch any of her movies in college? And uh, no, and uh, she was also very much omitted from our discussions about the French New Wave, which yeah. it's always the case, unfortunately. She is often left out because, you yeah. know, men write textbooks. Uh, and I'm quite surprised that, uh, uh, just to say before you go on, that <laughs> it, it, it is you who picked the first Agnes Varda movie I know. because I am a fan of hers. Yeah. For so long. I'm perfectly happy if we only do Agnes Varda movies for the next six months. <laughs> How lovely would that be? I mean, let's just get through them all. Like, I really, really want to see her one on uh, Jacques Demy, like 100%. But, uh, Jacques um, Dunant, yeah, uh, yeah. That's been one of my maybe picks for a while. Oh, okay, well, do it. <laughs> I'm game. Um, you know how I feel about Goddard. Um, uh, and... <laughs> And like, I mean, yes, I can, you know, we'll not get into the new wave and the impact, the influence of that, those early films and all that stuff. And But he is like a dickhead. So <laughs> like, oh my God, does it break my heart when she's so like, she speaks so warmly of him when they're on the train on the way to his house. And then he stands her up. It's like, oh, I hate him so much. I <laughs> Like stands oh. her up and stands her up writing a message about Jacques, die, Jacques Demi dying, who uh, is the guy, the director of Umbrellas of Cherbourg, which mm-hmm. we've done. Yeah, this movie is like, I think I said this about something else recently, but oh my God, is this movie a tonic 
Like, I wish it was five hours long. I would watch these two wander about France or other countries just talking to people and like taking their pictures for hours. It is a delightful journey. Um, Agnes is... <laughs> she's a one woman quote machine like she really is she comes out with some like hilarious lines but also just like consistent like poignant messages about like aging and memory and all this stuff and oh she's just wonderful like, she's so funny and also like very stubborn but also warm in equal measure um but I feel like what's interesting and why this movie works so well is that she doesn't overshadow um, J.R. in any sense at all. Like he, he's kind of the perfect counterpoint to her, like with like creatively and how they work together, but also like in his personality. Um, and like when they have that conversation about um, why he relates so much to like like older women. And like he's like talks about being raised by grandmothers, and it makes so much sense why he's able to like you know the generational divide, and you know it's oh it's so sweet whenever they go to his grandmother, and oh my heart, um, yeah I mean <laughs> he may look like an asshole, but he's not. <laughs> um, I don't know how much you know about Jr., but I'd recommend looking into more of his work because he's done some really interesting projects. Like he's. Um, there's, there's such a, like, humanist, um, idea of it, of him, like, taking, um, his own work to the people or whatever, but also having them participate in it, and, like, never does it feel like, here, you know, a populace, here, here, you know, poverty-stricken regional French person, here I am with my art, it feels very collaborative and like when he does the thing with the miners and they all get to tell their stories about like being down the pit and everything and yeah like the film is like meandering but also quite deliberate I think um like she says at one point um Chance is my best assistant um I I love how the two of them are just kind of creating as they go and like like from, like from who and what they find around the place which is amazing as well it's not like it's not formalized it's not script written it's it's just like kind of developing as they go and I think that's very much a part of how she views making movies as like writing them rather they're like as in like painting them or whatever rather than kind of like them being this formulaic thing where everyone has their set job and stuff but um I think you mentioned in the in the uh, uh, the cast and crew there that um, her daughter produced it. I think, I think yeah. it's one of the things that she's. I don't think so. Only this film, I think, that she's um, worked on with her. But uh, I thought that was quite lovely as well. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like it gets hilarious after a while. How interesting all the people they encounter are. Like I have to know like what's edited in this because like. It's just everything, like the farmer guy, when he's just talking about like his, you know, oh, yeah, the 500 acres and how he's all into his tech. And it's, it's just this random encounters with these people, but they're all so interesting because they're real people and there's nothing like, and like you hear how the two of them interview as well, which is quite interesting how they're, you know, they're both kind of talking and it's all very kind of like natural, like, like naturalistic and stuff. But like, oh my god, like every, I mean like the farmer, the postman, the guy Pony, um, like the old lady in the mining town where she cries when she sees herself and 
you know, I was like, oh, and then like, they, there were these, just these like beautiful little vignettes where they take a moment at the end to kind of sit and talk about it, but it's like kind of guided by their narration and, oh, it's, it's really lovely how it's put together as well. Like, um, the cinematography I quite liked because it's simple, but at times really beautiful. Like there's a lot of like tracking shots and stuff. Um, but what I was thinking, like, when I was watching it again, actually, was um, the soundtrack is really delightful. <laughs> there are whole sections where, as, like, when they're talking to each other or whatever, where there's no soundtrack at all. Like, it is not intrusive, but it's also just really lovely. It's, oh, it really kind of, like, guides you along. Like, oh, it, things that should be so trite aren't like his thing of not taking his glasses off and he takes them off for her at the end. And I was like, because <laughs> he seems so like lost at what to do because she's so upset. But she's like, she's like, oh, I feel I have such mixed emotions because like she still loves Goddard, even though he's a prick. And, you know, it's so tied to a certain point in her life as well and her husband and everything. And, oh, um, yeah, it's, <laughs> I I feel like I needed this film. I really, really did. Without further ado, Ricardo, what do you think of this film? I hated it, unfortunately. Like, uh, I'm sorry. The... Wait, no, what? I'm joking. It's oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sorry. I just, so I, 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 I just couldn't have <gasps> this much smallest. In one episode, so also because I'll be gushing about the movie, I decided to. <laughs> but yeah, like the like the um, I've seen a lot of her other documentaries. Well, like a lot, she doesn't have that many films altogether. But it's one of those things of having a limited filmography that is just quality. You know, you don't have what other film directors of her time that directed a gazillion movies <laughs> they were doing like like fucking john ford making four movies a year like there's gonna be a a couple bad ones there you know to say the least um but in this case like her documentary's always been uh, quite humanist and quite out of the beating track but also having her quite prominently as a character i remember uh Beaches, uh, uh, the beaches of Agnes in mm. particular calls attention to it. And I think that is a style that really suits her because she's such a little personality. You know, she reminds me of my granny yeah. in some ways, but not in all ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I uh, don't think my, my granny is as supportive of leftists <laughs> as, uh, <laughs> as Agnes Varda. Uh, but... Uh, in the sense of like that energy and kind of like just youthful outlook in a way. Yeah. It's, uh, but I think that in a way it's transcendental the way that Agnes Varda is able to relate with younger generations. And a lot has been made about JR being able to cross the age gap. But I think that that is in a way, yeah. It is admirable because it's bypassing like so many social constructs that exist that you can't have a true friendship with somebody that is much older than you. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think it is that Agnes has always been somebody that has given the benefit of the doubt 
to people. So that's why it makes her such an optimist and such a humanist. And also why she's always been able to be there in the zeitgeist. Like perhaps not agree or completely understand what is happening with culture, but at least know what's happening in culture. So mm. it's able to, she's able to uh, relate to younger people at their level rather than making them <laughs> go into up the, to her. Into the, into the enemy, let's say, those cursed millennials. She didn't turn into like a Jonathan Franzen or a nick cave let's see <laughs> oh yeah like it's uh is that the 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 thing that even like she she probably never fucking knows the ends of, of, of fucking internet dating but fucking jr makes a couple of jokes and she just like builds up on the joke kind of like having understanding of what's going on and i think part of it is like just the the way that she she just is that she wants to understand people but i think as uh as a person, she has this very open and uh, very deep uh, level of curiosity about things. And I think that's what makes her movies so so deep, even when they're simple. Because mm-hmm. she's so curious about people and about things and about why things are the way that they are. That any of the people that are spotlighted in this movie could have had their own little documentary almost just yeah. about them so the 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 movie could have been like completely slight but because it's a combination of so many like even if you take jr and agnes out of it it's already uh, interesting and mm-hmm. then you add jr and agnes they're both in their own little way are very interesting and then you add the 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 formal adventure of the way that the film is put together, the way that there's an actual script, and it's actually you never know how much of it is fiction or not. The way that mm. they shoot the the backs of them, and then clearly they've been like writing, kind of like after the fact, generation um, after, yeah. But made as a conversation on the moment, so I guess is a. a certain level of immediacy but at the same time is like their conversations are clearly planned if perhaps not scripted but because they're so authentic as people that it makes it uh it doesn't make it fake per se but perhaps uh the the only major flaw that i could bring in is that when the movie ends she's no longer a cipher while jr as a person still is it's both her, even though yeah. he takes off the glasses for her. Mm. He hasn't taken off the glasses for us, you mm. know. Perhaps, like, he's done it in other interviews and stuff. But, and it's a very minor nitpick uh, of the movie. But I think their dynamic is amazing. And I, I particularly like the later on in the movie, they actually, like, reveal the team also that are doing yeah. the murals. So it doesn't seem like it's just him, you know. Uh, like the way that he, he views himself, the 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 way that he describes himself, that he says like people consider me uh, a painter, uh, sorry, a photographer, a photographer yeah. but I spend more time on top of scaffolds than I do <laughs> with a camera. Yeah. And I even appreciate like I think we had a discussion like before like off camera about gearheads and shit like that, and the mm-hmm. fact that they're shooting these amazing pictures and making these amazing murals with like 
simple cameras yeah. and uh, simple lenses and i think that it, it that in itself like even what the movie shot in is like if you put a a camera and you plan what you're gonna do with it it makes it like great like the the shots in the in the beach in normandy with the fucking sand blowing past them yeah. and i'm like I, I did have like mal panic attacks looking at Agnes going up flights of stairs or something because oh my she's God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> it's just like she is 90 it's like bloody hell there is a lovely quote actually I wrote down I can't remember if I don't think it's in this movie but um she says uh if we opened people up we'd find landscapes if we opened me up we'd find beaches yes yeah. just beautiful <laughs> and uh, it's so supposed that's probably from beaches of agnes yeah. which is like uh so it's that is, that is also a very good movie like it, it, her movies are very different one from another so they're always like really hard to rank in a way yeah um but uh when you were saying about goddard i actually think that it was like fucking brilliant like i think the uh, I'm from the side of uh, I had read about this happening before, so it didn't come as a shock. I had read an interview from Agnes, and she described the moment and how she felt or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think because of the way that the film is built up and the way that I don't think that it it was completely planned out for that to happen, mm-hmm. but. I I don't think that per, like I think that they probably just met up afterwards or something that she just like she just improvised the yes and you know because mm-hmm. it's also the part of the myth both, both the way that she describes Goddard before and stuff it's like the myth myth of Goddard like that is the way that he portrays himself to people and about people yeah but also like as somebody that you you can't have like just a normal conversation with uh he'll just like faffle on about art or whatever but i think it's uh from other people that have worked with him they said that he's just like a normal dude that like the only difference is that he does wear sunglasses all the time and smokes cigars non-stop but that even in the in this movie where she looks up there's an ashtray sitting out the window I saw that, and i was yeah. like a hundred percent this is godard's house but uh, i think in a way is the the bit that it's like her realizing part of it also like the quote that is like her husband like quoting what he said to her when he missed his funeral that I think it is in a way like giving her the room to have an emotional end to her movie. That's and kind of I, what Jr. says. He's like, "Do you think yeah, he's kind of writing?" <laughs> and I and I agree with him in that sense because like clearly they told him that there was a movie going on because you don't rock up into Godard's house or like point the camera at him; he might kill you, you know. <laughs> but but at the same time, it's kind of like. It gives it like uh, an emotional ending and a personal ending that the movie wouldn't have either way. So if it is him being a dickhead, I think it makes a better movie. And also (laughs) uh, it gives the room for that conversation to happen or at least for the conversation that she's having with JR in the train Mm. to have a bigger impact. And it's the bit that is always like with this movie or her documentaries I always find interesting is that did they shoot a bit of the train before or after? Mm-hmm. 
because it doesn't really fucking make a difference, you know, for the, they're wearing different clothes. Also, like, it, it makes no sense that they, like, go to the cafe and they're like, mm -hmm. we're waiting for Goddard. And they, they sit there, they order the drinks, she takes one sip and then they go to his house <laughs> and like he's not there kind of thing. It's kind of like, it's so staged and so perfect that in a way... Yeah, it doesn't bother me. And even that, like, he's like, oh, that's where we're going. It's like, you knew where you were going. <laughs> but it's also like the, because the staginess has been built up from the very beginning of the movie, when they're discussing, like, in her kitchen about the movie that they're going to make. Yeah. And I love also that they never explain themselves how they met each other, how they came <laughs> up with the movie. Uh, they make a couple of jokes about it, like that they met up in internet dating and stuff. But it's more than anything, it's like it's extra textual information that you don't need. And uh, yeah, uh, what, what's your favorite vignette of the, the movie, would you say? I think, I think the miners, because I find that one one of the most moving, I think, because of like both the women, at, like the woman they talk to, but also the men and the the using of the older photographs uh but i i don't know either like i thought the one with the woman in the the town where she posed with the umbrella and it's so like do you have an umbrella by any chance oh my parents wedding umbrella like it's so ridiculous it's so great and how and then she, she becomes kinda, the celebrity uh yeah and she kind of hates it and she, she like is totally blunt about it and i, I love it like when and Agnes is like oh but, but i wanted it to make you feel good and, and you know it's it's such an interesting just little section of like of like instagram bullshit as well which i kind of liked um but yeah i i don't know like there's so many like, i love when they go to the like the the factory as well and they talk to all those people and the guy who like loves his job and they do the ping pong and like it's so like herzog but like better you know? yeah that they climb on the table and they're like playing music with the ping pongs yeah it's so like discovered but also created and the goat and the guy is like just so happy to learn this thing about the horns and oh my god yeah I don't I don't know I can't I can't like pinpoint one what's your favorite one I think it was the the whole section in Normandy whenever like she's mm -hmm. talking about the her friend that used to model for her and he was yeah. also a photographer and they go to his house also the like he's passed away and then the day like memory was very uh, metaphorical the mm. the way that they paint the picture in the the old german bunker that they pushed out to sea <laughs> and they put the mural there and then the sea washes away the next day i thought that that was very moving uh, but that whole section like i really laughed a bit whenever they're like discussing about putting the the other and nude that she had and they say like oh yeah all these old houses and stuff and you brought us to like the shittiest wall in the but whole she's... of normandy she's like but the windows are nice or whatever like and they don't even show the how it ends up looking because probably it looked terrible <laughs> yeah. or they just didn't do it you know it's like 
It's so funny. He's like, he's so like, ch- like, like charmed by her as well. He's just like crazy Agnes. But like, I was looking at his Instagram um, earlier and like, uh, he has a picture like from not that long ago. So after she passed away of like him and her and he's like, <clears throat> missing my Valentine. <laughs> oh man, it's just, yeah. I-, I love their dynamics so much. Like it's so playful and caring and creative and oh. Yeah, the part that they when they run through the Louvre is not like it's probably does help that he is very talented in his own way and very high, highly respected in Mm -hmm. his own field. But the way that he was inspired by her before, Mm. it's very hard to have a relationship with somebody that you inspire with and has been a part of your life for longer that you've been alive almost Mm. and treat them as a peer but at the same time have the respect of the work that they carry let's say that she still seems like the elder stateswoman but at the same time just about kind of thing that it's like a respect that you're they kind of thread the line yeah it's really well that's yeah i can't imagine like it's funny, actually, I kind of thought of, like, the West Wing Weekly and how Rishi never quite overcomes how he's so in awe of everyone yeah. sometimes, even though Rishi's, like, super talented in his own right, you know? But he also, I feel like sometimes a lot of, he, it's, it's like fanboy or something, or, you know? And it, it never quite kind of... I don't know, transcends or something. Yeah, that's a good example because it's part of the, like the collaboration of being like a good, like he does get better as it goes along, mm. especially with the people that do like repeat vi- visits like Richard Schiff and Barley Whitford. But mm. it never goes past the fact that it's like, oh, and you're fucking amazing or whatever. That is like in this, like JR is made a- able to make fun of her decisions on doing some things go like, no, that's not going to work or whatever. Or, <laughs> yeah. Or we should do this. But you can tell also the part of the project is like he was in charge of the paint, the photography side and she was in charge of the, the filmmaking side. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they were w- uh, willing and able and allowed to uh, go into each other's spaces. Like you could tell like in a couple of moments, like the Agnes probably was saying like, oh, you should be doing this because then we can do this with the camera. Yeah, and he'd probably be like, "Yeah, but I want to do this with the thing and get a middle ground." It feels like a, a true collaboration rather than two people doing two different projects. Moi, je n'ai pas oublié les images de tes films, le visage de Cléo. J'ai adoré voir depuis le train les yeux que tu as collés sur des containers. Ce qui est drôle, c'est qu'on ne se soit pas croisé depuis le temps. It's the one bit that I was like slightly uh, reprehensive about the movie before watching it. That I mm. thought that because I, I knew quite a lot about the movie because it's one of those movies that if you read the the paper, the trade papers mm-hmm. that I read is the kind of thing that even in places like the Hollywood Reporter, it's like oh yeah, we must uh, withhold our, like, hold up our credentials that people don't understand art and, like, know what the French New Wave was. And, you know, like, she's a very good interview as well. Mm. So it's, 
you have to have it in your paper. So like when you have the interview, it has bigger weight, let's say, that is like, oh, look who we got. We got Agnes Varda to be interviewed, let's say, because we had this coverage of the movie. And then, like, obviously, she's a very interesting person. So, like, her interviews, like, go much like this podcast, remarkably <laughs> off topic most of the time. But in her case, it never ceases to be interest interesting she's very unpretentious though which is what i love it like you know i love a bit of pretentiousness <laughs> but like I, I love about it is as they as they travel around like their their kind of idea for what the movie is is kind of nebulous but she's always able to like explain it to people of what they're trying to do in a way that's just like it's just you, you know it's easy to understand but also like oh yeah cool you know I, like there's Sorry, yes. No, I'm going. I, I, I wonder if they shot it the same way as... Um, have you heard about the, the new movie starring Frances McDormand that came out there? Uh, oh. It's called Nomadland. Yeah. And, yeah. And the, the way that they shot it was that uh, they became nomads themselves. Everybody had a van and everybody was driving and that's where everybody was sleeping, so... Everybody had their own van because you could be like staying in the desert or whatever. So instead mm. of a trailer, Frances McDormand had a van and it was her job to like drive from location to location and sleep in them <laughs> and stuff. But part of it is that there was like um, an already like built in plot for the movie. But the actual dialogue and like the way the character like this, there would be scenes, but characters didn't exist. Mm-hmm. So as they were shooting, she, the director, she had a group of producers go up further up the road that they were and interview a bunch of people and select who's going to be in the movie and then send the footage of those interviews back to the director. And then she would rewrite the script to oh. fit to fit the stories and that kind of thing. So it became both organic and fictitious but also it's like there's this whole argument about if people are playing a version of themselves if they become more truthful because mm-hmm. it's kind of like it's the vision the version that they want to portray rather than the version that they are but in itself it, it is very revealing that that's the person that you wish the pe- the world saw kind of thing mm-hmm. but i wonder if there was something like this in this movie that they were like on the road and somebody was in the next town over finding the people like the like that mm. seaside town that looks very much 2008 Ireland. Uh, <laughs> you know, the village by the sea that never got finished. And then like they go like, oh, wonder what's happening here. And then suddenly <laughs> surprise picnic. Um, <laughs> which is the best kind of picnic, by the way. Surprise picnic. <laughs> And then you had that funny shot of the kid. The kid just runs by the the camera holding like Agnes Varda's cane. And I'm like, (laughs) did she just give it to him and say like, run past the camera or something? (laughs) That sounds very likely. (laughs) But at the same time, it's like the, the whole idea of, it doesn't make it less true. And I think it makes it interesting in a way because you never know what's spontaneous and what's not because Mm -hmm. even for example the 
the the one that you mentioned about the girl who's a waitress in the restaurant and then they mm. do the mural on the wall for her and it's clearly one thing shot a year year apart or something yeah, because she's become a celebrity or something mm, so time has to have passed yeah so like the concept of time in the movie is kind of like already like withheld and then you have uh, the best truck ever as well. Like I love that the the pictures sprint out from the side. It's so cool. It looks it like look, a camera. It's I like I want to. I meant to research how he made that. And like what's it? What it like the machinery inside and stuff, and like what camera they're using and stuff. Because obviously, like the quality is really high because they're being printed and like what's his process for um, editing them afterwards? Because like even say. The picture he takes of the um, what are they called? Never it's printed onto silver. The photographs or the silver or metal, um, you know, the of the of the old couple. Okay. Um, it's it's because I was watching. There's MoMA has these really really lovely videos where it's just like we're in the studio today, and today I'm going to be uh, <laughs> restoring this massive, very broken painting. And they literally it's just them and all the different processes. And oh my god, they're the best videos. I would recommend you check out their YouTube channel. But um, yeah, but they have a whole thing on on the how the delicate of those of keeping those photographs because they're they're like um. Um, I'm not entirely sure what the actual process is called, but um, but like what process of him him taking the picture of the picture, and then when it's like blowing up, like maybe able to like enhance the detail and stuff, and they do it in the frame. And I love how there's just like one little shot of her with the frame at the flea market. Um, but I love to know like what the process is, and you know, are they going to the place and then maybe coming back a few months later to do the project or. Yeah, I find it like some of it's instantaneous and some of it kind of can't be, which I find really interesting because it's you never know. And I don't want to know either. I'm kind of happy with. <laughs> and I love the, her being obsessed with the octopus in the fish market. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, did she it, talk about rosemary in this? No. I don't, no, because I don't think she drinks, but she loves rosemary. So she puts rosemary into tea and stuff. <laughs> Like, I think she like grows it and I was like oh I don't know why that's oh rosemary is amazing it's the best thing um, ever but uh, yeah she's like really so she's just really obsessed with it and she thinks that it like enhances you know and it's like really good for you and stuff but um, rosemary is the best thing ever I'm currently growing I'm actually I can look and see my rosemary growing behind my massive basil plant I was wondering uh, what's uh, do you prefer the English title or the French title uh, of the movie. So it's a villages, faces, villages, visage, the French one? villages. I think it's sites and villages. Oh, yeah. What's visage? The French one sounds cooler, but that's just. <laughs> oh, no, it's faces. Sorry. I thought that it was like. You clearly don't read the back of shampoo bottles whenever you're in the bathroom. <laughs> no. Also, I'm now in Canada where everything is English and French on either side of every product. So, I, I don't know. I, um, it always, yeah, because I kind of like the, always the alliteration is really nice in the French title. But then again, faces, places sounds great. So, I don't it know. rhymes. You have the alliteration in French, but you have a rhyme in English. So, it's yeah. six of one, half a dozen of the Which other, I suppose. Also poetic, really, isn't it? <laughs> Did you like the soundtrack? 
yeah like i i think that like straight away i was thinking that i was gonna be okay because uh, as soon as your man's name comes up on screen alex goes oh i know him he's great he's like a rock singer or something oh okay. which is surprising because you know most you know like if you got fucking mick jagger to do a soundtrack it'd be hardly subtle <laughs> well this is very it's a very subtle soundtrack it feels yeah. in a way that even somebody like nick cave hasn't been able to like his soundtracks are a soundtrack you know mm-hmm. well this is the music is quite beautiful and it fits the scene but it it never distracts you enough to actually hear the music, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It's the difference of, like... I suppose it's uh, also, like, part of how music scores... Uh, soundtracks have moved on to a different type of music in the, the last 20 years or so. Mm. But I think, similarly to the drive to kill every single color in cinema... Uh, the, or to just full-on underexposed everything <laughs> yeah jesus uh, the, the fucking trailer for dune i'm like can you oh doesn't i'm sorry i got through like 30 seconds of it and i was like nope fuck off <laughs> it's like also i went to go see fucking stupid blade runner 2049 and i was like oh i hate it I yeah, but at, least, but at least 2049 has color to it. Like It does it, look, but that's, like, that's our old pal Roger, so that, I'm not worried about that one. But. The, the David Lynch Dune is absolutely, like, it's batshit crazy. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's a bad movie because, like, a movie that is that entertainingly entertaining and also, like, unpurposely crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much of it is, like, so bad that it's good and how much of it is just like fucking good but the colors are incredible like the su- the sky is just like blue this like really vivid blue and the sand dunes and stuff and it just like makes the place look real and otherworldly that that's what you want in the desert planet like dune while watching mm. that trailer it feels like it's muddy it just feels like they put a desert in fucking mayo and then <laughs> went and shot yeah. it. It's like, but even like Timothy Chalamet, like, uh, like he has so much in his face and like, I just, uh, it's like big important things, men, manly things, scary. I was like, oh, okay, oh, turn it off, go away. Twenty twenty does not need you. It does not want you. <laughs> well like uh, i'll say this uh, uh it'd probably be better than tenet but uh, <laughs> but i mean like be hard but what, what i was saying about color- oh yeah soundtracks and stuff that mm. like in a way for movies like this it does benefit to have that type of soundtrack but i find in other other films that i think that the lack of melodic scores is not due to uh filmic decisions is more mm-hmm. that the, the editing process has begun to because the pro, how production companies operate now and how like they have to have like a product kind of that they can decide how to advertise it while you're already editing the movie before you mm-hmm. finish editing they already have to figure out what the tone and stuff is is that you end up editing with temp tracks all the time and then you get links just, that you just, can't just deviate too much. Yeah, because you yeah. can't deviate too much of a temp track because like there's already a beat to it. 
the, like it's rather than like when you edit to a silent beat and then it's like if you're editing three four or five six or whatever time uh, beat that you're editing your the musician can go and put anything on top of it that'll match it and suit it well like mm-hmm. if you're editing the music rather than like making music to the edit it used to be like so so unheard of i think that whenever spielberg re-edited the scene the bicycle scene for et because williams couldn't it was a 25 uh, 25 minute music cue and he couldn't hit every single mark that he needed to like on Mm -hmm. the dot so spielberg went no just do like like the music is too good just do the <laughs> just do your version and then we'll go back and re-edit the movie to like mm-hmm. get the like which is like imagine that in fucking 80s or whatever like the, the fucking process of that that you had to get the negative out i, I guess i'm like yeah. dude to go and find the, the strips that you like put out like the bin thing the but i think did um did every frame of painting do a video on um modern soundtracks and how they're so unmemorable yeah like it was i think uh, uh in particular pointing marvel. to marvel yeah. yeah but i think it's not like marvel is part of the problem but not really the like it's from before marvel it's mm. like you even look at like fucking shit like the like james horner died and like the last 20 scores that he did nobody like you wouldn't be james horner without it you know and then you mm-hmm. have like the only one that kind of recognizable now is fucking hans zimmer but like he's just a party of himself that like in like even <laughs> the guy douche as well. <laughs> like even the like in tv is strange because tv has like the guy that did the soundtrack <clears throat> for tenet is the guy that did the soundtrack for the mandalorian and the soundtrack oh. for the mandalorian is amazing and the soundtrack for Tenet is like somebody went, just More make horn. Hans Zimmer, but bigger. So it's like, <laughs> it's no joke. Instead of, instead of one horn, he uses three. I do think that like there, in my mind, there is like a plane. On a one end, there is Tenet. And on the other end, there is Agnes. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's literally, you couldn't have more opposite movies but it's part of like i was actually trying to build up to that point and i think that perhaps is the strength of my argument for once that you picked up on it <laughs> that like i wanted to say that it's like you can have something that is trying to be big and trying like as so hard to be important it's so hard to be deep and so hard to be memorable and it's just like trying it's like the fucking guy like the american football player that just takes 42 doses of hormones and becomes an absolute hulking mass but then can't make it to the field because it's too obvious that he's on peds <laughs> that's what tenet is as a movie well agnes varda is the the like faces places is like the natural kind of like artistic player the the one that like they go the commentator uh, commentators would call the cultured player you know it's like he has a cultured left foot or something whatever the fuck that means it's like uh, well like my left foot listens to stravinsky i don't know about you but but is that kind of sense that like this movie what player would that be <laughs> like messi has a cultured left foot you know well like 
<laughs> because he caresses the ball you know like the i love the way he's that, roger federer yeah roger federer has like a cultured backhand you know like you know, he has a cultured backhand. It's like, you just imagine him going like fucking, oh yeah. And like, I train by like conducting an orchestra. And that's how <laughs> like I'm able to get this backhand so cultured. But Agnes Varda did like an incredibly small movie that seems big, memorable. It has so many like vignettes, but also like set pieces of filmmaking without mm-hmm. having like a jib. Never mind. Special <laughs> effects. Yeah. It's like barely a tripod at times. It's just like, oh yeah, we're we'll just find a guard horse, whatever that is, <laughs> that doesn't like the owner. It's like, how did you try it? Like, it's exactly what you're saying. It was like it's. It feels in a way like the same way how. Herzog is obsessed with people, but Herzog is obsessed with how people are broken. Mm, While she's yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, obsessed with how people hold together. And I think that is, they're both humanist in itself because, like, I think that Herzog still sees the best in people, but. And the interest in things as well. Like, he's definitely, or, you know, or even of his, like, I think, I feel like Herzog still has wonder, though. Yeah. You know, like he can he can be like overawed by things. He's not I'm trying to think of like who's the most pessimistic filmmaker I can think of. <laughs> David Fincher. Yeah. David Fincher is like, the world is bad, people are awful. And that is great because well, maybe not so much anymore. Mindhunter, season two. But um, <laughs> but he has like, and he, you know, hands down his whole career, that's all he's ever said. Like people are perverts and they're bad. And that, you know, produces interesting work, but it's, it's a complete polar opposite to someone like Herzog, I think. <laughs> Is the interesting part of like people like Fincher and stuff that you have, or that I'd really like to get like Fincher to direct like, a really optimistic text you know give him uh, get him to remake contact or something you know like the... <laughs> but do you remember when he did that uh that uh benjamin button business? oh jesus okay <laughs> never mind <laughs> well it was direct well like that is a good comparison because it was written by the guy that did forrest gump but uh... Oh, Jesus, yeah, now I'm getting fucking Benjamin Button flashbacks. Um, on that note, um, what is your favorite thing about this movie? I was going to say, no, it is it is Agnes. Like, And that's no shade on J.R. because he's great. I just He's such a warm presence as well. And like, but it is Agnes because she's just like... I, I, I honestly feel so sad for my past self that I had no relationship with him when I was younger because, God, if I could have just gone back in time and slotted her in there in replace of, like, so many misguided, like, hobbies and interests, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, she's just, she's just wonderful and, yeah. She proved, about her. like, Agnes proves that you don't have to be big to be a giant. 
Yeah. So I love what they, they like her feet as well. And like, I don't like my feet. They're too small. <laughs> or the way that her feet are dangling on every time that they are sitting down there to see her like not be yeah. able to reach the ground. Like, I know. He's always teasing her as well. <laughs> but in the same way, it's like, uh, she like, she's so interesting as a person never mind like she's like cute as a button like as yeah. a little old lady and stuff but like um it's like interesting as well because of the thing like i think they you shared like a picture of her in her youth and she was like yeah. incredibly be- beautiful but oh she was fabulous yeah she has like like an old japanese lady feel about her you know the that somebody that has kept herself really well over the years and yeah. stuff and is able to do, have all this ener- energy or whatever but like for some reason like her body like it seems almost smaller because she's not doesn't move like an old person mm. so it becomes like almost uh, stranger to see somebody of her age and her stature and stuff running around because like yeah. because even her posture is better than my fucking posture. Like she'll be like walking around like straight back kind of thing. And I think in itself it's both um and you can tell that she really like tried to live as long as possible. Like the the way yeah. that she'd go and get her eyes checked up and do like oh fuck that scene. Oh god, yeah, the, the, the injections oh. was a bit nuts. I was like, there should be a wee bit of a warning there. <laughs> oh no and i'm not even like squeamish about eyes at all that was like yeah and she's like i always think of uh bunwell <laughs> oh my like... i am so squeamish about eyes if there's one thing like i like i'll, I'll watch somebody break their legs 20 times over and i'll be like it's grand it's only broken no, I, but like something with my eyes now like even like i think like <laughs> alex found out the same way that you did when you tried to fucking put makeup in my eyes for halloween <laughs> And I was just like, it's like 10 meters away and I'm already like squinting going like, it's too close, it's too close. <laughs> oh, like if they had to put an injection in my eye while I'm awake every time, because obviously like she has to do it too regularly to go under because you can't go under that often. Oh, yeah. Like it's, it's really bad for you. So like. They had that. I'd be like, nah, just fucking take them out. Like, or just listen to podcasts. <laughs> like, fucking put two glasses. Sound like a terrible future. I uh, just put um, two glue googly eyes on me. Like, literally, like the the weirdest eyes that you can have. So everybody is like oh really God. distracted by my like, like give me glass eyes. They're like maybe like one side too small so they keep falling out and stuff you know like i don't know like pirates of the caribbean <laughs> yeah, yeah something that every time that i cough when i'm on the bus like the fucking knives start rolling underneath and then it's like <laughs> they start banging into the cans of galahad or whatever the fuck you know like oh man i can't wait to be old if we make it there um, no we're it's not funny. it's fine like uh <laughs> It's funny, like, because I didn't realize she was 90. Like, she seems younger than she is, definitely. Like, because she reminds me a lot of my nana as well. Because, like, my, like, my mom's mom, like, she's, 
I don't know if she's ever been over four foot or over four, four foot, over five foot. But like, you know, in because in your old age, like you tend to shrink a little bit as well. But like now I think she's like 410 or something. So she's like, you know, little, little lady, but like mighty as well. Like, you know, you don't fuck with her. She's hilarious. But um, uh, she, like, she's in her 80s and like still very like, you know, obviously you end up slowing down but still very spry at times you know and like she'll she'll kind of she'll like surprise you sometimes how spry she is and like i feel i feel it's almost crazy that agnes died not that long after this movie yeah. was made because she seems you know like full of life and... it's similarly like she it seems that she had like uh, a similar thing that leonard cohen had that it's like you're just a hundred percent and then you just go and I think in a way for somebody that is creative and good like that, it's like, that's the way that I like to go. Like fucking, well, Cohen fell down a flight of stairs and fucking didn't wake up the next day. Like for somebody that age with as hard of a life like he fucking led and stuff and be like touring the year <laughs> before, like amazing. But like same with her, like they think that that, that uh, uh, you see that sad comparison whenever they go and meet JR's grandmother who's like over a hundred but you can tell that she's no longer all there like she's still jr's grandmother so like i do think that there's a psychological side of it as well that if you have the energy and you have the curiosity to keep growing as a person you don't stagnate like Mm. because I, i i think there are studies about like people that keep using their brain in new ways like she does what was your favorite thing uh my favorite thing is probably like the the structure of the movie. Like I think that it gives the room for for the the way that the film is shot, the music, and also the the encounters. It, it gives it and Jr. and Agnes. It gives the space for all of them to shine. Mm-hmm. And I think that without that structure of not knowing exactly what's happening, when it's happening, what's the structure of the plot. Because like, for example, the fucking Godard thing could be, it could have been the first thing that they shot. Mm-hmm. Like the movie makes a very clear thing that the only part of it that is clearly the first thing that they did is when they take the pictures of the people with the baguettes. Yeah. Because they say this is the beginning of the project. But besides that, everything else, it becomes like it's a movie that it was found in the edit, Mm. which I like that it embraces that. And then it's able to like really focus and giving the the understanding to the audience that um, the J.R. and Agnes want rather than being worrying about why are the people in the fucking village or why how do they get this so like even the jokes about the permits or whatever that is like oh yeah any driving uh, <laughs> yeah. it's like that she doesn't drive anymore so any like issues <laughs> just give points to her license kind of thing you know <laughs> yeah it was the ass was like oh do you do you have like do you drive and she's like oh, i have a license but i don't drive anymore i'm sensible <laughs> like yeah fair enough so I think it's like that structure is the the it's the backbone of the movie and mm. they're, they're able to much like a wall they're able to put murals on top of that uh, structure. Oh, beautiful. And what, what was, was your, your least uh, Oh okay go for it. <laughs> what was your least favorite thing? 
the eye, I guess? I don't know. I don't really have anything else. Like, that it wasn't five hours long? I, I don't know. But then I love the... Like, it's an hour and 33 minutes. It's the perfect little... You know, and it has kind of like long enough credits as well at the start and the end. So, yeah, I, I, the eye, I don't know. What was your least favorite thing? Like uh, I mentioned before, I think that the, like in a way, um, the bits whenever like Jr. is talking about his past mm. is largely about like, oh, yeah, I took a motorcycle and I drove around here. I went across America with a van like this. I did this. I did that. Mm. But it's none of it has like an emotional resonance right well everything that agnes brings to the table is personal and mm. personable and emotional and i think that the, the, the dynamic is ne- that dynamic is necessary for the film and also considering that they call attention to it by like the use of him wearing the glasses as a shield Hmm. is not shied away from it but i think that like one moment that jr like that you find out a little bit more about jr as a person you know Mm. like you don't know what is his love life like you don't know how his childhood was like besides the he had a grandmother kind of thing you know like you don't know um he All seems to have a yeah he he seems to have a working class background but it's just because of like he much like his relationship with older people his relationship with working class people is very on the same level mm. so a lot of it you're able to deduct by how he behaves with other people and it becomes a cipher that is in- interesting to cipher but at the same time it is like just one moment of being mm. able to like break that barrier. There is a moment about yeah. him. Like even if it is like I want to do this picture this way because I want it. Like it's something about it, you know, rather than oh it just wouldn't look good or mm. oh this is interesting. I wanted to give an homage to you. It's never about him. It's always about the other person, and. Like I said, like for ninety nine point nine percent of the movie, that'd be enough. But I just wish that there was like one moment, yeah, that... where she kind of disarms him or something, yeah. and then and then he's like, "Oh no, you know me," you know, even he kind of laughs afterwards, just like yeah, little... you found out a trick or whatever. And then on top of it, that whenever he takes off his glasses, it's clearly like a moment, and I think it's a very good moment, mm. but it's also one that is manufactured and. Um, Ricardo took off his glasses as he said that it was quite uh, <laughs> uh, I was just cleaning them <laughs> oh yeah. well so. that uh, brings us to the end of our discussion because yes. it's very much over the hour um, <laughs> thank you for uh, I was going to say thank you for picking that movie that's great uh-huh. you picked the movie <laughs> I'd like to thank myself um, <laughs> I'm very glad that uh, that you enjoyed it um, I do think if you had actually not enjoyed it I would have been very worried about you. Well, like, I do think that there's very, like, few people that, like, if they they actually gave this movie an actual shot that they dislike yeah. it. I meant to go and check on IMDb if I could find any assholes who didn't uh, give it a fair shake. But uh, I'll do that later and send them to you. Uh, so where can they find us, Ricardo? 
They can find us on Facebook, The Recommendation Game, on Twitter, at The Rec Game, on the Dublin Digital Radio Mixcloud. You can listen to us 11 to 12 every second Monday. And the recommendation game at gmail.com is our email address. And if you like to support independent Irish radio, please donate to the Dublin Digital Radio Patreon. Which you should, because independent things are good. Next week's film is Ricardo's pick. Yes, it's uh, <laughs> Galaxy Quest. <laughs> probably I, I, what a I, transition I, I, I go on a limb and say that this is probably the only Tim Allen movie that we'll ever do god damn we'll see <laughs> let's see what 2021 brings us alright well until then I was Artie McNeilis and I was Ricardo Deacon thanks for listening see you in two weeks time.